everybody. How are you? So uh, I am not Matt Oxley, just in case anybody was wondering. So happy Thanksgiving. That's your Thanksgiving present. Uh, Matt and Heather have taken the weekend off to get some much-earned rest, and so I get the privilege of, of sharing some Jesus with you tonight. Hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. We are in a series called I Am, and we have talked about I Am the Bread of Life. We're talking, we've talked about I Am the Gate, I Am the Light, and tonight we're going to talk about I Am the Good Shepherd. Now, I love having props on the stage. I was unsuccessful in convincing Matt or Adam that we could have a sheep up here. Uh, there were just too many logistical issues with it. So what I did is, is I got a picture of a, of a friend of mine. This is Shrek, and you may have read about Shrek. In 2004, Shrek became a, um, well, he became a superstar. He grew up in New Zealand. And he decided that he did not need to be sheared. And he managed to escape from the farm. And for six years, he evaded his shepherd. And finally, after six years, they caught up with him. And there's what he looked like. So, <clears throat> Shrek had 60 pounds of wool on him. And in fact, the article said he had enough wool to make 20 men's suits and then they pointed out that it was large men's suits and that triggered me and made me mad <laughs> all right so what's the big deal with Shrek why am I bringing him up well we're going to talk about I am the good shepherd tonight we need a shepherd because when we don't have a shepherd we often don't make good decisions in life we need guidance from Jesus. And you know, last week we talked about I'm the door, I'm the gate, and, and we talked about Jesus is the shepherd then as well. So if you would turn with me to John 10, we're going to look at verses 11 through 18. Turn in your Bible on your phone if you've got the U version app, and the words are on the screen as well. And <clears throat> here's what it says I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he, is, he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is hired, he's a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen, and I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so I may take it up again. Notice verse 18. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. Would you pray with me? Most High God, we just ask you to be present. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would uh, speak to our hearts and let us hear from you what you want us to hear. <clears throat> and would you please be honored and glorified 
by all that's said tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I mentioned we're in a series. We're talking about the Good Shepherd. And let me remind you how we got to where we're at. At the end of, of John 9, um, there was an issue about Jesus healing a blind man. And the Pharisees were not happy about it. And it ended up with Jesus telling the Pharisees that they, they were blind to what he was doing. And then last week, we talked about Jesus being the door, and Jesus started introducing the idea that he was a shepherd, but he talked about he was the gatekeeper, and he sat across the gate of the sheep pen, and anyone that came over the walls to get the sheep were thieves, and he implied that that was the Pharisees. So they're not real happy with him at this point. So now he's talking about being the good shepherd, and... <clears throat> I want to break down this, this first part of, the, of verse 11. He starts out by saying, I am. Well, what do you immediately think of? You think back to Exodus in the Old Testament when Moses is at the burning bush and he says, or God tells him, hey, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses says, on what authority? Who, who should I tell him sent me? And he said, tell him I am sent you. And that statement, I am, basically means that God is self-existent. He is self-sustaining. He doesn't need anything. He is on his own. Now, I will tell you this. In English, that's what we think about. When you get into the Greek, the I am is a different form of that. But I have to believe even then it came to the mind of the Pharisees because... He's talking about who he is. And that phrase, I am, is a declaration. It's a statement of whatever I'm about to tell you is a fact. If I get up here and I say, I am Matt Oxley, you're going to know immediately that that's not a fact. But if I get up and I say, I am not Matt Oxley, it's a fact. And so it's a conditional statement. Whatever I'm about to say, it's a commitment. And he comes back and he says, I am the good shepherd not a good shepherd but the good shepherd why is that important the word good that jesus use here uses here there's two words in greek and i'm not going to tell you what they are because i don't speak greek there's two words in, in greek in the new testament that's used for the word good the first one is a descriptor of something of quality. It's a good plan. It's a good sandwich. More importantly, it's a good cup of coffee. All right? The word that's used here for the word good <clears throat> speaks to your character. It speaks to the moral character of a person. It means that he is worthy. So he says, I am the worthy shepherd. So it's a different kind of word. But he's putting them on notice because you think about these guys knew about shepherds, right? Abraham was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. And in fact, we have the story of David killing a, a lion and a bear with a slingshot. And that's pretty impressive. So these guys, these Pharisees, they're thinking about who is a shepherd, not just in their community, but in their lineage, in their history, and in their faith. 
So Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and I lay down my life for my sheep. That's a pretty big statement. Of course, he's, he's talking about the crucifixion, but they don't, they're not clued in on that yet. So <clears throat> he says, I lay down my life for the sheep, and then he, he contrasts it with a hired hand. And what does he say? He said, man, the hired hand, not only does he not lay down his life, he doesn't even love the sheep. And the first time there's a problem, first time they see a wolf, they're going to run off. Now, when you think of sheep predators, a lion and a bear and a wolf, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking a wolf is kind of low on the list. Still a predator and still dangerous. But I see Jesus kind of pointing out that, man, even minor threats, the hired hands are going to run off. And he says, because they don't love the sheep. They're not their sheep. So they don't mind those sheep getting scattered and attacked. And he says, <clears throat> I lay down my life for the sheep, and he does it out of love. And he does it because he's worthy. <clears throat> I lost my place, just in case you're wondering. So in verses 17 and 18, what does he say? He says, this is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so the sheep, for the sheep so I can take them up again. No one takes it from me. I have the right to take it back up, and I lay it down. What does a good shepherd do? Well, first of all, he protects the sheep. Okay. And what is he protecting us from? Why is he laying his life down? He lays it down because he loves us. I want to tell you a story. I'll tell you a story about some good news. So the good news is we were created, when you go back to Genesis, we were created to be in fellowship with God. You look back and you see Adam and Eve in the garden and they fellowshiped with Most High God, the God of the universe who spoke and everything came into being. The God who came to earth as Jesus, walked on the water, spoke and the winds calmed. We were created to be in fellowship with him. But there's some bad news. Because of sin, we became separated from God. And in our sinful state, we can't be in the presence of Most High God because He's holy. And Romans 3.23 tells us, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now what, is, what does that mean? That word sin means to miss the mark. See, we can't be good enough with anything we do to reconcile ourselves back to God. There's nothing we can do. I met a man in India, and we had a conversation. He, he walked up. We're sitting in the airport. 
the people I'm traveling with, and, and here's what he said. I saw you guys sitting over here. You were laughing and having a good time, and I thought, I need to go have a good time with them. So he came and sat down with us. We didn't know this guy, but in our conversation, we got to talking about his faith, and he was a follower of Krishna, had been for 40-plus years. His family followed Krishna. And he's, he made the statement, he said, when I'm around believers, they seem to have a peace. And I said, well, how do you get that peace from Krishna? And he said, well, if I do this, and he lists off all this stuff, and he said, if I do, the, do all these things, then maybe one day Krishna will give me this peace. And we told him, we said, well, that's the difference between Jesus and Krishna. With Jesus, it's not about what we do. It's about what he did. So scripture tells us that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So that's the bad news. Well, the bad news gets worse. And the bad news that gets worse is we can try all we want. We need help to get to the most high God. And so the great news is in Romans 6.23, it tells us for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus our Lord. So God has made a way through Jesus to come to him. Okay? I don't know if you've done that or not. But here's the urgent news of this, of this story. And it's found in Romans 10, 9 through 10. It says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. So, if I come to you and I say, hey, I've got a, a Christmas present for you. Here it is. And I hold it out, but you don't take it. Have you received that gift? No, I've still got it. So Jesus extends this gift out to you. He says... I want to give you salvation. So we've got to take it and receive it from him. And that's what Romans is telling us. If we give our life to Christ, if we turn our hearts over to him and make him Lord of our lives, we receive his gift of salvation. What an amazing gift. Because here's the deal. When we talk about being saved, what are we saved from? There's a, there's a lot of, of churches, there's a lot of writers in, in Christ, Christendom. Is that the right word? It's a big word for a guy from Burleson. So <clears throat> there's a lot of people that talk about, do you want Jesus in your life? Do you want to have a better life? And man, Jesus does make your life better. But here's the first step that he does for us. Salvation from Jesus Christ, the reason he came is to save us from the wrath of Almighty God. Because since we're in our sinful state and we can't do anything to fix that, we are facing the wrath of God when we die. But Jesus comes and he says, because I died, my, my blood covers your sin. And so when Most High God looks at us, he doesn't see us as just sinners saved by grace. 
Once we've accepted the salvation of Jesus Christ, he sees us as his children. We were once sinners saved by grace, but now we are sons and daughters of the most high God of the universe. And, and we talk about being set in family here at the creek. Well, the first set in family we desire for you is to be set in God's family. And it's only through that salvation that we're set into God's family. So when we say we are saved, it's not just so we can have a better life. We are saved from the wrath of Almighty God. When Jesus hung on that cross, he took the sins of Choke so that I didn't have to face the wrath of Almighty God. Okay? So that's the first thing the Good Shepherd has done for us. He died for his sheep. He gave his life for the sheep. So then he talks about, he goes on to say, the Good Shepherd knows his sheep and they know him. So, what happened to Shrek? How sad would it be if the shepherd brought Shrek in and he goes, hey, buddy, I'm glad you're back. Hit the pasture with the rest of the sheep. And he left him with 60 pounds of wool on him. That'd be kind of mean. I mean, you're not going to hug him because he smells bad. So what'd they do with him? Well, here's Shrek. Okay? Now, now look at his little face and tell me that's not a smile on that sheep's face. I mean, he looks so happy and contented because the shepherd knew what Shrek needed. The first thing was he needed to get all that wool off of him. And it's the same thing with us. Let's check this out. When it says the good shepherd knows his sheep, I know my sheep. Here's what that word know means. It has, it has two components to it. It means to know. Hey, how about that? It means to know. I already know about it. But it also means getting to know, to learn about. It's kind of like, for those that are married, when you met your spouse, you didn't know they were allergic to peanuts when you gave them a Reese's peanut butter cup. You didn't mean to. You didn't know that they didn't care for zombie movies. Okay? So you learn about your spouse as you go. It's the same type of thing when we come into a relationship with Jesus. Now, he knows us. I mean, he made us. But we have to get to know him. Let me give you an example. So my daughter is 17, and one of her favoriteest things in the entire world is toast. Okay? Now, some of y'all are looking at me like, hmm, you know, we don't have a lot of fancy at the Chode household. But she doesn't like any toast. It's got to be this sourdough bread from H-E-B. And, and it's not just buttered toast. I have learned that she likes strawberry jelly. Grape is not really an option. Some mornings, she likes peanut butter and bananas. 
And then other mornings, she likes guacamole. How do I know this? Because when I get up with her at 5.15 in the morning, we have a conversation about toast. Are you having toast? What kind of toast are you having? What do you, what do you? And over time, over this semester of school, I have learned about her toast fascination. I got to know her because I've spent time with her and we had these shared experiences. It's the same thing with Jesus. The more time we spend with him, the more we get to know him. The more shared experiences we have with him, the more we get to know him. What does that look like? When you spend time in the word, when you spend time in prayer, you're getting to know Jesus. You're getting to know his heart and his love for you. When you spend time in prayer, you share your heart with him. Prayer is, is not telling God what's going on. He already knows. Prayer is for us. It's for us to share our heart with him. It's for us to find out what he's wanting to go on in our life so we can line ourselves with him. <clears throat> and in addition to prayer, after we talk to Jesus, do we take time to listen? Do we take time to hear what he has to say back? You can have a one-sided conversation with people, but it doesn't usually work too well. And if you don't believe me, ask your spouse. Are, we, are you taking time to listen? Well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what he says. Well, he said earlier, I know my sheep and they know me. <clears throat> getting to know Jesus, just like getting to know your spouse or significant other, it's a process, not an event. It takes time. And the more time we spend praying and asking the Holy Spirit, hey, would you talk to me? Would you impress on my heart and mind and to let me know what you're thinking? What do I need to do next in this situation? That's how we learn to listen. Spending time with others in fellowship, that's another way we get to know Jesus. Not just what they share with us, but every now and then we'll say something and they look at you and go, hey, that's fantastic. What a great idea. Well, that might have been Jesus speaking through you. Having time and fellowship with other people. Think about this. How did Jesus do ministry? When you look at other religions, a lot of their prophets, they went and secluded themselves. They, they separated from society, they went and they isolated themselves, and they did their spiritual journey. Jesus didn't do that. In fact, he gave up himself. When you read through the scriptures, he's teaching, and he tries to get away, and what happens? The people follow, and they come after him, and what does he do? Well, he teaches some more. 
And he's constantly investing in the lives of others. He doesn't separate himself away from it. And so as we interact with people, we get to know Jesus better. We've got, after the first of the year, we've got Bible studies coming up. You'll be able to register for and be part of. There's also uh, home groups that you can be part of. And if you're not part of one, go ask Amy Wolf out in the commons after the service. She can help you find one. And if there's not one, maybe you need to ask Jesus if you should start one. Oh, whew. Went, quit preaching and went to meddling. Sorry. All right? God wants to use you. And then also serving. We've got a mobile, a mobile food pantry coming up, I believe, next week, right, Amy? Thank you. Next week, we got a mobile food pantry. You want to see Jesus? Go out there and hand somebody a box of food who's running low. You'll see Jesus because it hits you in the heart. See, we, we can absorb Jesus. We can keep absorb the teachings and the goodness that he has. But man, when you start giving it out, there's something powerful about that. And you experience him in a whole new way. And then, like we saw this evening, and the creek does a great job of, man, just a time of praise and worship. This is how we get to know Jesus. Why is this important? See, as we get to know Jesus, he can use us, and he uses us more and more. Um, I got to go through the freedom class, freedom basics this fall, and it was an amazing class. And I highly recommend it next time it comes around. If you haven't done it, do it. Is that proper English? If you haven't done it, do it. Okay. Burleson, it's good. Um, but the freedom class is getting to understand who we are in Christ. That we're not just sinners saved by grace. That we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. And as we understand who we are in Christ, he frees us from those burdens. Man, when I was growing up, I was bullied mercilessly. And it affected how I viewed myself. And it affected how I went into my career and how I got married. And it affected me as a dad, as a son. And through the years, as God has shown me, you're not this, but you're this. That freedom in Christ allows me to grow in him and be used by him. In Ephesians 2.10, if you don't know this verse, if you've never really looked at this verse... I want to encourage you this week, use this as a verse for meditation and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal something to you. It says, for we are his workmanship. Now, let me tell you about this word workmanship. I love this. Workmanship, the reason they use that word, it's an old English word. And in the medieval times, there were guilds and guilds were groups of artisans and tradesmen and they were considered the best in their field and in order to get into the guild you had to be basically invited and when you applied to get in one of the things that you had to do 
was create something from your trade. And it was considered, and so for you to be considered a master, you had to make a masterpiece. And that word for a masterpiece is workmanship. So what we're saying here is you are God's masterpiece. We are his highest and greatest creation. And then it says, created in Christ Jesus for good works. When he saves us, he doesn't save us to, as my pastor years ago used to say, sit, soak, and sour. He saves us for a purpose. Excuse me. When your head's large, these things don't stay on very well. He saves us for a purpose in Christ. And then he says, you're saved for good works that God has prepared beforehand. So when he saved me, he had a plan for me that we should walk in them. How are we going to walk in them? We can only walk in them through his power and preparation. Just like with Shrek, for him to be a healthy sheep, he lived 17 years, by the way. For him to be a healthy sheep, the shepherd had to come in and shear him and get all that wool off. And each year, the shepherd knew when it was time to shear him, what medicines he needed to be healthy, how to care for the sheep. And Jesus does the same thing. He says, Choate, in order for you to be used for my purposes, here's what I need to do in your life. Are you willing to cooperate? And, and here's, the, here's the truth. You can say yes or no. Because we have as much Jesus in our life as we want. Because for us to have more Jesus, we got to have less of ourselves. And so he, he basically says, here's what I want to do with you next. Are you willing to do it? We have an enemy, and the enemy has really two goals. The first one is to keep you from being saved, to keep you from finding Christ's redemption and his salvation. And if he fails at that and you do meet Christ and you do come into his family, his second goal is this, to keep you ineffective. And if he can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. But he knows that when you find out the truth of who you are in Christ and that you are a son or a daughter of the Most High God, he's going to lose. Because the more time we spend with Christ and the more we get to know him, the more he's going to shear on us and clean us up and strengthen us for his purpose. And his purpose is for us to praise him and share the good news of Jesus. So yes, when he saves you, he takes you just the way you are. Man, whatever you got, whatever baggage, bring it to him and he'll take you. But he loves you too much to leave you that way. Just like with Shrek. You don't leave a sheep that needs to be shorn out in the field. Hmm. So, here's, here's the question. I have two questions. 
First one is this. Have you met the Savior? Has there been a point in time that you said, Jesus, I want to give you my life. I want you to be my Savior, forgive me of my sins, and save me from the wrath of God, and be my Lord and Master. I don't know. I don't know if you have or not. But if you haven't, tonight after the service, we're going to have people down front to pray with you. And man, we want to talk to you about it. Maybe you think you did and you're not sure. You got some doubts. That's okay too. Come on down. We'll talk to you. Because see, getting that squared away really makes our enemy weak. Because he wants you to cast doubt. Man, maybe you did, maybe you didn't. Because how many of you heard, oh, you did that again. Maybe you're not really a Christian. Maybe Jesus didn't save you at all. We want to put that to rest. Here's the second question. How much Jesus do you want in your life? He'll give you as much of himself as you want. He's the good shepherd. He wants to use you for his purposes. But here's the, here's the catch. We have to give up some of us to get more of him. And I, you can ask my, my kids, I shoot straight with people. When you decide to follow Jesus, sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it's hard. But I can promise you this, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth every bit of it. When you choose to follow Jesus and he says, here's what I want you to do. And you say, yes, sir, I'll do it. Now, it may not happen overnight. It may be a process. But it's going to be worth every bit of it. If you want to give more life to Jesus, if you want more Jesus and you want to talk to somebody, we're going to have people down front. Come on down. We'll pray with you. We'll talk to you. Because it's a journey that's worth every bit of it. And you'll never be sorry for following Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for salvation. Thank you, Jesus, for coming and giving your life to us and uh, giving us salvation. And Father, uh, I just pray for the person here that's night tonight that, uh, that thinks they need this the most and the one that thinks they need it the least. Because, Father, you've got a plan for all of us and you want to bring us all home and uh, you want to use us. And you've entrusted the good news of salvation to us, your kids, to share with others. But most of all, Father, you want to be in fellowship with us. You want to do life with us, and we're so grateful for that. Thank you for being our good shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen.